Welcome to the King's Church Podcast. We are an ACC church based on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. We'd love for you to join us on any given Sunday. In the meantime, we hope this message blesses you. So cool, so cool. Great to see you tonight. And uh, thank you so much for coming out. How awesome is it uh, that we're able to have church again? It's so good to get together. And uh, we've had a couple of awesome weeks. Last week, we had Fred Porter. Uh, Who enjoyed Fred Porter last week? Uh, And he was great. And I had a little word to Fred. And I said, it'd be really, really cool if he came and was the speaker at our Seekers Festival later in the year uh, for high schoolers. So stay tuned for that. I think there's a very good chance uh, that is going to happen. And then we had a worship night a couple of weeks ago, which was awesome. And so we'll look at doing something like that again uh, in the future. Uh, Before I share tonight, uh, I want to give a big welcome uh, to uh, some friends of mine, uh, pastors, uh, Pastor Kerry and Rianne Robertson and their daughter Summer. They're planting a church over in Dallas uh, and from Coomera, praise God. And, uh, and so they're here tonight. Could you uh, give them a round of applause and welcome them? And uh, it's so cool. Pastor Kerry spoke to our men over at Pimpamar yesterday and uh, it was absolutely brilliant. And uh, actually, Pastor Kerry, uh, I, felt, uh, I, had a, I felt God give me a word for you. Uh, and I had a picture of uh, you guys. It was like Hansel and Gretel. You know the the old um, the old children's story, Hansel and Gretel. And they left behind some bread or something like that, and they had to follow it. And I just felt God say that He's going to put before you um, some bread. Um, and he's going to put all these little bundles of blessings ahead of you, sources of provision that's going to see you through, and it's going to lead you. I heard the Holy just Holy Spirit say to me before, a place of superabundance. And so the biblical equivalent was Ruth, when Ruth was following Boaz, that he would leave behind bundles of extra blessing, but eventually she actually ended up owning the whole field. And I feel God saying that you're going to experience supernatural provision, but it's going to lead you to a place of superabundance, that you're going to go from a place financially beyond survival but into a place of thriving. Father, I just thank you for that, and I praise you for it, and I release that for them, Father, right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming out tonight. Um, We've been doing a series at church in the morning uh, called Family Matters and talking about relationships. And so I thought uh, coming tonight to our night service here at Reedy that mainly we've got mainly people who are not married. Put your hand up if you're married here tonight. Uh, uh, put your hand up if you're not married, and uh, awesome, uh, look around near someone who's not married, see, if, would you want to marry them? Anyway, don't worry about that. Uh, and, so, uh, and so I've been talking about marriage in the morning and that sort of thing, but I thought, well, I'm coming to the night service, and so many of them are not married, and so I, would thought, I thought I would talk to you about a different topic. So with that in mind, I want to read a passage of Scripture to you, found in the book of Genesis. Uh, and Genesis is the first book of the Bible, pretty easy to find. Kind of goes, table of contents, Genesis. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, says this. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. All the single people said... Amen. Uh, I will make him a help. Did you just say amen, Pastor Matt? (laughs) Pastor Matt's married. Okay, all right. Um, I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field, 
But for Adam, there wasn't found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept. He took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, whoa, man, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. I want to read one more verse to you tonight. It's out of Proverbs chapter 19, verse 14, and it says, it says this. Houses and riches are inheritance from, from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Tied my message tonight is called, While You Were Sleeping. Because God gave Adam a wife while he was sleeping. Amen. Not while he was clubbing. <laughs> Not while he was church hopping. <laughs> Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I just ask and pray that you help us to do things your way. I thank you and praise you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, Proverbs 19 says, Housing and riches are inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. You know what that tells me? It tells me who you end up marrying is so important to God that he wants to participate in the process. That who you end up marrying is so important that he doesn't even want to leave it to your parents, even though they'd like to get involved. He actually wants to be the one that orchestrates the person that you marry. You need to understand something, that who you marry is the second most important decision you make in your life. The most important decision you make is actually giving your life to Christ, because that settles your eternity. That's the most important decision. But the second most important decision is who you marry, because that will permanently affect your destiny. And so it's so important that God actually wants to participate in the process. That's why it says houses and riches are inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife or husband is from the Lord. And so I want to talk to you tonight about a few keys to finding your perfect match. And the reason I'm going to pull it all out of Genesis chapter 2, because in Genesis chapter 2, we see the original hookup. Here is God, the original couple. He puts them together, Adam and Eve. It's the original hookup. And so I want to talk to you out of that a few principles that we can find God's way of finding God's perfect match. You ain't going to find this on YouTube. You ain't going to find this in other different places. You're not even going to find this from Logan Paul. God himself wants to participate in this, and you can find this actually in God's Word. So I want to talk to you about a few ways you can find God's perfect match for your life. And so, as I told you before, the title of this message is called While You Were Sleeping. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down the left-hand side of your page the word sleep. Because every single one of these points starts with one of these letters. The first key to finding God's perfect match for your life is this. It says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. The first key to finding God's perfect match for your life is number one starts with S. Seek God's will for your life first. God gave Adam a job before he gave him a girl. Amen. Adam figured out what he was doing with his life before he actually hooked up with somebody. The first key to finding God's will for your life, of finding God's person, the person God's got for you, is to seek His will first. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 6, it says, seek first the kingdom of God, then all these other things will be added to you. So as you seek Him and put Him first, find out His plan for your life, eventually at the right time in the right season, God's plan for your life will unfold and He will make sure that the right person comes, upon, comes across your path. There's a passage of Scripture in Proverbs, and it says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and finds favor from the Lord. 
remember many years ago when I was single and desperate, when I first read that, I thought it meant he who finds a wife finds a good thing. So I better go looking. Now, I went to a church that had 22 people in it. That was it, 22 people. And it did not have a single young adult girl in that entire group. And I was, a, I was about the age of 21. And I remember at the time, um, you know, thinking, you know, Lord, how am I going to find somebody if I'm in this church? If I'm in this church, there's never going to be anybody for me. So I thought, what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to be loyal to my church in the morning. And I thought, then at night, I'm going to get together with another mate of mine who was single and desperate. And I said, we're going to go around to other churches and do a thing we codename fishing. And so what that meant was we would go around to other churches at night to scope out the local talent. But I remember when I was doing that, I was praying one day and God spoke to me. He said, stop it. I said, why? I said, how am I going to find someone? He says, no, no, no. Seek my will for your life first. Just stay faithful to where you are. And at the right time, at the right season, God will, uh, I will bring the right person to you. You know, it's interesting where that passage of Scripture where it says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. It doesn't actually mean he who finds a wife and goes looking. It actually means he who finds a wife finds a good thing. It actually means that you're walking along a path. And as you follow that path that God has set before you, at the right time, at the right season, you happen upon something precious. And then you will continue on and do it. I remember when I was about 23, I was reading this passage of Scripture, Genesis chapter 2. And in it, it said, God said to man, it's not good that you should be alone. I remember I read that. And I thought to myself, well, hello, Lord, I'm alone. I said, where's my wife? And as clear as anything, this was so clear. I lived in Melbourne, okay? Glad I don't do now. Um, And I lived in Melbourne. And he said to me, she's not here in Melbourne. And I said, well, what am I doing here? And he said, don't worry about it. At the right time, at the right season, you'll happen across each other's path. A couple of years later, I felt God called me to go to Bible college in Sydney. Now, you need to understand something. My concept of Bible college was not one where there was uh, young, attractive people. I just thought it was just a bunch of old people. And so I remember going to that Bible college thinking to myself that I'm actually just going to be, I guess I'm going to be like a monk or something. And I laid that thing down. But in my second year, I happened upon a girl that had come from Cairns. And then after about another year, we started realizing that we're walking on in the same direction. And 22 years later, we're still walking together. I didn't go to Bible college to go and find someone. I was just following God's will for my life. And at the right time and the right season, God gave me my perfect match. Seek God's will for your life first. Start seeking what he wants you to do. And as you seek him first, he will bring about the right person in the right season. That's good preaching. Thank you, Pastor Kerry. Next one is this. It says in verse 16, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you shall freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Verse 18, And the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. Now this is an interesting verse, because this happens before what we call the fall of man. So basically sin hasn't entered the world yet. When sin enters the world through Adam and Eve eating the forbidden fruit, that hasn't happened yet. That happens after this. It's at that point there's separation between man and God. But that hasn't happened yet. So there's no separation between man and God. 
There's no sin in the world. Everything's perfect and he still feels lonely. What does that tell me? What that tells me is feeling a little bit lonely when you're single is normal. That there's nothing wrong with you. So the second key is this, starts with L, live with loneliness for a season. There's not something wrong with you. If you start thinking something's wrong with you, what happens is you can cause that loneliness to drive you into the arms of the wrong person. And sometimes people go the other way and they act all super spiritual. I remember I was talking to one young adult lady and she said to me, she said, I don't need a man. The Lord, he's my husband. And I said, oh, just be quiet. You're as desperate as everybody else. Stop pretending that you don't feel that little bit of loneliness. I remember for many, many years, I did have that little bit of loneliness in my heart. I would go to a wedding and I'd be by myself and you see people and they're together and you feel a bit lonely. And that's just a natural thing. I remember I was praying about it and I felt God say to me, he said, Ben, when you meet your wife, that loneliness, that ache in your heart is going to disappear. And so a few years later, I ended up dating Trish And all of a sudden, that ache in my heart disappeared. She completed me. (laughs) But what had happened was, up until that point, it was normal to have that feeling there. Sometimes what happens is people have that lonely feeling, and too soon, too quickly, and with the wrong person, you try and fulfill that desire because you're feeling a a little bit lonely. I'm here to tell you there's nothing wrong with you. If Adam had loneliness and he had no sin and no unbroken relationship with God, it means there's nothing wrong with you with feeling like that, but don't allow it to drive you into the arms of the wrong person. We need to live with loneliness just for a season just for a season. The third thing uh, is this. It says in verse 18, Lord God said it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. So the third key to finding God's perfect match starts with E and it's expect a comparable Christian partner. God's partner for you is a help to your future and comparable to you. So that is why I believe if you're a Christian, God's perfect match for you is actually another Christian. That's why the Bible says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, that phrase yoked is interesting. It's not like you get an egg and you yoke somebody. That's not what it means. Unequally yoked was, a, to be yoked was a phrase that they would use when, back in the old days, when they'd have a couple of head of oxen, cows and cows, that were pulling behind them some kind of plough. To keep the cows together, they would put a beam across their shoulders and they'd call that a yoke. And so it says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So what that means is if you're going to be covenanted, tied to somebody the rest of your life, it needs to be someone who's at least moving in the same direction. You know, when I was a, uh, when I was a kid, we used to do a thing called three-legged race. And what you would do is this, you'd get a teammate, and you'd get your leg tied to their leg, and then the object is that you're supposed to run in that direction. Now, it doesn't work if you're going this way, and they're going this way. It doesn't work if you're going at a different speed. That's called unequally yoked. And so what that means is God's perfect match for your life is someone who is 
comparable to you, a help to your life. That's why I say expect a comparable Christian partner. Now, some people say, and I hear it sometimes for some young ladies, well, there's just no good Christian men in the world. Well, if he can make something out of nothing for Adam, I'm sure he can find someone for you. Amen. <laughs> expect a comparable Christian partner. Not only that, find someone who's comparable. So what that means is find someone of a, diff- of a similar spiritual maturity because there's different levels of maturity for Christians. You know, you have Christians and sort of Christians and uh, occasional Christians and then Christians who come to church at Christmas and Easter. That's different levels of spiritual maturity. And so that is why I always tell people, and especially if they're a young adult, I know we have a couple of you here tonight, but I always tell young adults that if you're going to go out with someone, you should at least allow them to be a Christian for at least a year before you go out with them. Now, I remember when I was in Mackay in North Queensland, we had a very small young adults group and it was mainly girls in it. And so I remember one time, one particular night at a night service, a handsome young man walked into the room and all the girls saw him. And it's not you, Lale, sorry, I know that you're married there. And, uh, and at the end of the service, he came forward to give his life to Christ. And I could see it, it was a powerful moment. I turned around, I saw the young adult girls there looking at him. I'd say, hey, girls, settle down. Give him a bit of time to settle in, all right? He's saved now, we can have him. And I say, no, no, give him a year. Let him get his foundation right. Let him grow in the things of God. Give him a bit of time. Because sometimes what happens is if someone like that gets in a relationship too soon, their spiritual life actually gets stunted. And that is not what we want to see happen. I remember one time that there was this young lady and she was a young adult and she got saved in our, at our church back in Mackay. And, and, uh, and, you know, she came to her first young adult connect group. We have a number of young adult connect groups in our church, actually. If you're not in one, uh, feel free to join. And so she, was in, she went to this young adult connect group and she walked in and sat down. And sitting opposite her was this young man. And she felt like everything around him went fuzzy. And there was like a light beam from heaven that came upon him. And it was almost like she heard angels from heaven. Oh, this is the one for you. As soon as she saw him, she was instantly in love. And I, and I remember that she went back into her car and she told us later, she got back in her car and she got behind the wheel and she said, God, if you are real, you've got to give me that man. Now, I remember at the time thinking to myself, that's actually probably God. Because this guy never had a girlfriend his entire life. And so I thought, this is probably spot on for him, you know. This is God blessing him. And then a little bit later on, and she's the kind of girl that talked a lot, okay. So whatever she thought, she would say. So everyone knew that she liked him. And he came to me one time at church and he said, oh, Pastor Ben, I want to talk to you. I said, no worries, mate. What's going on? He goes, oh, well, you know, such and such. She likes me. I said, we all know that, mate. She's been telling everybody. He goes, well, I think she could be the one. I said, that's great, mate. I think she could be the one too. And I said, and he goes, well, what do you think I should do? I said, well, let me look. I said, ask her out in six months. He goes, what? He goes, I think she's the one. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's only just been a Christian not very long. You want her to grow in a relationship with Jesus before she grows in a relationship with you. I said, why don't you give her a few more months? Well, then after that, because they couldn't control themselves, 
they just started dating on the sly and that sort of thing. And it's not on the sly, it's none of my business really. And, and then uh, he comes up to me and goes, Pastor Ben, I just want to let you know that we're going out. I said, oh yeah, okay, no worries. Comes to me another time and says, Pastor Ben, just let you know I'm going to propose to her. I said, oh, okay, no worries, congratulations. And so he proposed to her and, and then they got engaged. And as soon as he proposed to her, she stopped coming to church. You know, because she had a wedding in 12 months to organise for, you know, and used every Sunday for it. And then after that, I noticed that uh, he stopped coming for a little bit and I didn't think much of it. I actually left Mackay in that time, moved down to Brisbane and, and they got married when we first moved down to Brisbane. And Then one day I'm at the church we're in in Brisbane and I'm in the service and I see him and her there. And I said, hey guys, great to see you. And so afterwards, they come and, uh, he, he came and spoke to me. He says, Pastor Ben, can I talk to you? I said, no worries. He pulled me off to the side of the stage. I'm always nervous when someone does that, by the way. He pulls me over the side of the stage. He goes, Pastor Ben, you were right. I said, what do you mean? He goes, you were right. He said, we would, as soon as we started going, she shows no interest in the things of God. I had to drag her to church here. This isn't working. I want to move back with my parents. He says, what do you think I should do? And I said, uh, well, suck it up, buddy. I said, you're married now, mate. You can't go running back to mama. I said, you made your decision, champion. Well, then after that, they ended up breaking up and that sort of thing. And, and he went on quite a tailspin for a number of years. Now, praise God, we serve a God of the second chance. Amen. And so God can always give people second chances. But I think sometimes people go on four, five-year detours they didn't need to go on because they wouldn't wait six months. Amen. Expect a comparable Christian partner. Have you ever wondered why a lot of pastors have wives significantly better looking than them? Like you look at him and you look at her and you think to yourself, how did that happen? You know, did they meet in a dark room? I mean, what... Well, let me tell you the key. This is why a lot of preachers have wives significantly better looking than them. Because what a woman wants is a man of God. Now, not necessarily a preacher, but someone who's a man of faith, a man of integrity, a man of leadership. That's what a woman's looking for. So, girls, if you want to, be a, want to get a man of God, be a woman of God. And boys, if you want a woman of God, you ain't going to get one by being a player or sliding into no one's DMs. A you girl you can get by sliding into their DMs. Be a man of God. Expect a comparable Christian partner. Hope to see you back next week. Anyway, <laughs> next one is this. He says, and the Lord God says, not good the man be alone, I'll make a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air, brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, all the birds of the air, and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there, but for Adam, there wasn't found a helper comparable to him. This is hilarious. So God says, Adam, it's not good that you be alone. I'm going to make a helper comparable to you. So wait there. God goes off in the corner. Brings out a chicken. Presents her to Adam. What do you reckon, Adam? Oh, uh, nice chick, but not for me. Okay, Adam, wait there. 
Goes off in the corner. Moo. Moo. What do you reckon, Adam? Oh, look, Lord. She's a bit of a cow. It's okay, Adam. Wait there. Woof. You know where this is going, huh? <laughs> Read your Bible. God says to Adam, Adam hasn't seen a woman before. I'm going to make a helpful, helper comparable to you. Then he brings past all the animals. My question is this. What would have happened if Adam didn't exhibit patience? What would have happened if God said, Adam, I'm going to make a helper comparable to you. Wait there. Goes off in the corner. Brings out a fox. Adam's sitting there going, oh, check out the fox. Starts chatting her up. Hey, baby. Daddy must have been a thief. Stole the stars and put them in your eyes. For you, baby, I changed the alphabet and put you and I together. Hey, hey baby, your feet must be tired. Sit down, because you've been running through my mind all day. I just saw someone say running through my mind. <laughs> what would have happened? Well, aside from all the biological consequences, Adam would have missed his perfect match. Moral of the story is this. Girls, don't take the first turkey that comes your way. Boys, don't take the first chick that comes your way either. Just because they're in your vicinity and available doesn't mean it's God. Take a bit of time, exhibit patience, chill out. It's not like a sliding doors moment where you have three seconds to grab them or you've lost them forever. If that's the case, then they were never for you in the first place. So you just got to relax a little bit. Get to know people in groups. Chill out, see what they're really like. I should know, I was so desperate. In my early 20s, I was so desperate. I remember I was praying. I said, Lord, it's not fair. I said, I'm so desperate. You know, I was going to weddings, right? All my friends getting married. Not me. I was a groomsman eight times. Remember one time, the, bride, the groom gets up. He says a speech thanking his groomsman. He looks at, he goes, oh, I want to thank my groomsman. He goes, oh, and I just want to, you know, we're all praying for Ben that somebody takes him. And, that, and I thought, I thought, I must be a loser. I remember I went to another wedding. And I'm sitting at this table, round table. Married couple, married couple, married couple. Me and the bride's single cousin trying to set me up. I'm looking at the wedding party. It's a bride and groom. It's their own wedding. They're looking at me. And I thought, am I some kind of loser? I said, God, this ain't fair. What do you want me to do? How am I supposed to conduct myself? How am I supposed to exhibit patience? And then he gave me a vision of a plant called a Venus flytrap. Have you ever seen them? They're these like these plants. They sit like this with prongs on them. Bugs land on them. They snap and eat them. And I said, what? Is that what you want me to do? Eat people? He says, no, no. He said, I want you to just stand there and do nothing. And he said, eventually I will bring the right one to you. So for years, figuratively speaking, this was me. 
And there was a number of times. I was hoping to come near me. Buzzed off. Another time. Looks like it's getting real close. There was even another time, a couple of times. Looks like it's coming to me. And then lands on my Venus flytrap mate next to me. <laughs> Amen. But eventually, one day, perfect match. Exhibit patience. And the last one is this. Hope this is in shot. He says, in verse uh, 21, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Adam actually didn't do anything. God did everything. God formed her. God brought her. God made it happen. So the fifth key to actually finding a perfect match is number five, put your trust in God. He is more interested in this than you are. He wants to participate in the process. I know what it's like to have all this external pressure. I used to play local AFL football in Melbourne and there was all this pressure for me to go out with girls who weren't Christian and all that sort of thing. And I used to get teased for it. I used to have teammates tease me, say there's something wrong with you. Even my parents were getting worried about me. Remember one time my my mum pulled me aside. She said, Ben, kind of noticed. Haven't brought anyone over for quite a long time. Is everything okay? I remember thinking to myself, I'm a loser. Then I felt God speak to me. He says, no, Ben. He said, if you do it my way, you'll win. Do it my way, not the world's way. Not try before you buy. Not hooking up with anyone that shows an interest. I'm not saying that you won't go up with someone and break up. I'm not not saying that. That happens from time to time. But if you do things God's way, eventually, I believe, you get the right person. This year, last month, well, three weeks ago, it was actually was our 20th wedding anniversary. Rewind back to our 20th, rewind to our wedding day. I remember I was in my uh, unit at home and my groomsmen come around to pray for me before we went to the church. One of the groomsmen was Pastor Sanjay. He's going to be preaching next week. And I remember they were praying over me and prophesying. I don't remember a thing they said, to be honest. All I remember is what God said to me. He said, Ben, I told you. He said, you win. You win. Go to the church. Stand up the front at the altar. Normally, I was always wondered what I would feel like in that moment, you know, because I had a lot of commitment issues. And I thought me being at the altar, I just wanted to run, run away. But I never did. I just stood there. I was happy as anything. Then they opened up the door and standing at the top of the aisle was my bride. You know, you go to a wedding and the groom always says, Oh, you know, my bride's the most beautiful woman in the world. Mine actually was. And she starts walking down the aisle. Nothing in me, everything in me knew this is right. 
This is how it's supposed to be. Her dad walked her up. I come off the, st- come off the step, go and shake his hand. I look at her and I said, G'day, darling. She looked at me. She goes, Hi, handsome. I said, Let's do this. So he turned around and stood at the altar in front of the, in front of the pastor. I remember when I got there, I thought to myself, Made it. It's kind of like I've safely navigated my single life. It felt like I got to a finish line, you know? How dumb was that? 20 years later, I realized that was no finish line, man. That was a start line. And ever since we've been moving on. My prayer for you is this. This is not dating advice. I don't even know much of that stuff. My prayer is simply this for you because it's so important that when you get to that altar, you'll be facing the right person. However God gets you there, however it works for you, because I think in life there is a lot of things that you can get wrong. But I reckon there's one thing you really, really don't want to get wrong. And that's when you get to that altar that you'll be facing the right person. So tonight, I want to pray for you. And my altar call is this. If you're single, I'm going to hook you up. But no, just kidding. I just want to pray for people who are going to say, you know what? I want to conduct my single life not the same as the world. I don't care about the pressure. I don't care what people tell me. I'm not going to conduct my single life that way. I'm going to conduct my single life God's way. And so if you're single in this place, that means unmarried, and you're saying, I want to conduct my single life that way, I want to pray for you where you are. If you're going out with someone, that doesn't mean that uh, you don't stand up and it doesn't mean you shouldn't go out with them. It just means if they're the right person that you don't do something stupid to mess it up. If you're married, Pastor Matt, don't stand up. Uh, you know, too late. But if you're single here, even if you're engaged but you're not married yet, my prayer for you is simply this, that on that day, same as the day it was for us 20 years ago, that on that day, when you get to that altar, you'll be facing the right person. And so if that's you today, you're saying, I want to conduct my single life God's way. That doesn't mean you never date or spend time with anyone. I'm not saying that. It doesn't mean you don't look after yourself. You know, if he really loves me, I don't have to shave my legs. No, I'm not saying that. Yes, you've got to look after yourself and all that sort of stuff. My prayer is simply this, that you're willing to conduct yourself God's way not flitting from relationship to relationship to relationship, exhibiting patience, having standards, putting God first. If you're willing to do that, then I want to pray for you right wherever you are. So just close your eyes for a moment, everybody in here. And If you're saying, Ben, from this day forward, and I know some of you have already been doing it, so that's awesome. And my prayer is simply that you would continue to do so. But if you're unmarried here, And you're willing to say, Ben, I want to conduct my single life God's way, not the world's way, not the way the world tells me. If that is you, then right where you are, slip up your hand and say, that's me. I'm willing to do that God's way. I'm willing to do the way that He wants me to. Lift your hands nice and high. hands everywhere. And I want to pray for you. Pray this after me, those of you with raised hands. Say, dear Lord, I thank you that you have a perfect match for me. Today I choose to conduct my single life your way, not the world's way. Help me to have patience 
Help me to have discernment. Help me to have peace. And I pray, Lord, that on that day, at that altar, I'll be facing the right person. In Jesus' name. Keep your eyes closed. Father, in Jesus' name, pray for every single person here. And my prayer is simply this, that on that day, at that altar, they'll be facing the right person. However you get them there, Lord God, whatever it takes, Lord God. Lord, there's going to be a lot in our lives that we get wrong, but I pray for this one, help them to get it right. I thank you and I praise you for them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand to your feet for a moment. We're going to worship God. We're going to worship Him. When we were worshiping Him before, His presence was here. In His presence is fullness of joy. So lift your hands right now. Lift your hearts before we close. We're going to praise and worship Him in this place. He's an awesome God. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for new messages weekly. You can keep updated on what's happening in the life of King's Church by following us on social media at King's Church GC. Be blessed.